everybody. Welcome into it. The Porch here at VolQuest.com. I'm your host, Eric Kane. Luke Lipsius, former Tennessee first baseman, home run champion. Uh, he will join me here in just a couple of minutes, as always. Got a whole lot to talk about here today on this edition of The Porch. The SEC tournament, it starts tomorrow. It starts Tuesday, and Tennessee is going to be taking on Texas A&M in the second game on Tuesday, somewhere around 1.30 Eastern time. Uh, seventh seed against the 10th seed. That round is single elimination. And then from there, uh, we will have to see if Tennessee wins. It would move on to play Arkansas. If it loses, it's done. Um, a lot of different scenarios out there. We'll get into all that and a whole lot more here on this edition of The Porch. Couldn't do it without our friends over at Spivey King and Spivey LLP. Great people. Matthew J. Matthew A. Spivey, J. Matt King, and Richard A. Spivey. If you got a problem, let them find a solution for you as TN Trial Lawyers cr- specializing in, in criminal defense, family law, and personal inju- inter- injury. There we go. And uh, you can go see them in person today if you have a need at 142 Cherokee Street in Kingsport, Tennessee. Or give them a call for a free consultation. That's at 423-245-4185. And you can always visit them online, SpiveyKingAndSpiveyLLP.com. A big thanks to them, their support of the porch, and uh, seriously, could not do it without them. All right, we got a whole lot to talk about. We got Luke Lipsius coming on in about 15 minutes, and uh, we'll dive into some really, really good stuff uh, about the South Carolina series, some things that he saw from watching, uh, what he thought about the pitching, what he thought about uh, Chase Burns, you know, coming in and kind of giving that game away uh, in, in replace of Chase Dolan, or all that stuff. Some really good stuff coming up. And then about how to play in the SEC tournament, kind of what's your mindset and all that, uh, kind of going into it. That's coming up here in just a couple of minutes with Luke Lipsius. But you know, what can you say about Tennessee's series win on the road at South Carolina? It was good. You know, better late than never. First time getting a series win on the road this season, coming in this regular season finale, uh, that series rather, and um, you know, big win for Tennessee. Looked incredible on Friday nights. Um, the rain played games with Tennessee and South Carolina. Really wasn't needed you know, kind of going into the Southeastern Conference Tournament. Uh, what was supposed to be a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series ended up being a Friday night game and a doubleheader on Saturday. And the grand scheme of things, in a normal week, that wouldn't be that big of a deal. However, going into the SEC Tournament, that means Andrew Lindsay pitched a day later. That means Chase Dolander pitched a day later. Tennessee was almost all but certainly going to play on Tuesday. The only way it couldn't, the only way it wouldn't play on Tuesday in the SEC tournament was if it swept and if Vanderbilt got swept. But Vanderbilt, I believe, won game two, so that was, you know, out the window already. So the rain was not helpful for Tennessee. However, Tennessee did help itself out by getting elite pitching. Wrote about it in the 3-2-1, talked about it all weekend long on the journal's quarters, and of course the game threads and the uh, the four takes and six takes and all that good stuff. Andrew Lindsay was incredible, SEC Pitcher of the Week, well-deserved as well. I mean, goodness gracious, he was he was phenomenal and, and good for him. Eight innings and a third, should have went the distance. He earned that right, but he did tap out at 100 pitches, retiring his final 17 batters. What a week, what a start from him. Chase Dolander tied a career-high 13 strikeouts in five innings and a third. And um, again, he was grooving. And we, we talked about it, and, and you know we, we touch on it. I'll touch on it with Luke here in just a moment as well. I wrote about it. Frank Anderson, Tony Vitello, they have forgotten more baseball than I will ever learn. I think that was the wrong decision. However, as Luke will point out, there have been points in times over the years and this year when they, they elect to leave a starter in just a batter or two too long, and it comes back to bite them. And so when you have those arms in the bullpen like Chase Burns coming in, you feel good about it. The heart of the order was coming up. 
Um, and unfortunately, it didn't go Tennessee's way. And, and that was a tough loss. It was for how well Chase or Chase Dolander uh, was shoving. And for you to kind of lose that game, it was demoralizing. But Tennessee, backs against the wall, fought back. Didn't have time to sit and dwell on it, right? They came back 45 minutes later, and they took it to South Carolina in game three of the series. Winning that series, Drew Beam, what a bounce back effort. He was really, really good. Six innings strong. Uh, allowing, I believe, one run, uh, just a couple of hits. Uh, great rebound from Drew Beam, Beam and, and a question mark of who was going to start Game 3. Luke points out that you know if Tennessee were to have won Game 1 of the doubleheader, Game 2 of the series, potentially Drew Beam would not have started that last game, and he could have started it Tuesday. Again, there were so many different pitching scenarios uh, for Tennessee, and there still is. Um, but Tennessee had a really, really good series. Christian Scott had a good weekend. Jared Dickey returned, which was fantastic. Uh, pinch hit opportunity in game one of the doubleheaders started and played the field in game two. That was really, really good. So, you know, Tennessee getting, you know, get, getting its its uh, its all-star back essentially, right? And that that's big. So, you know, having him hit three in the order, patrolling the outfield, Tennessee will not be nearly as good as it can be without Jared Dickey. And I think you saw that a little this weekend without him. Uh, but he comes back, and, and that's that's a really, really great sign. So, What's this mean moving forward into the SEC tournaments? Okay, so Andrew Lindsay pitched on Friday. Pitched 103 pitches. Chase Dolander pitched on Saturday. He had 83 pitches. Drew Beam pitched on Saturday. He had, I want to say, 75 pitches. I've been talking with some people and looking back at you know the the you know last couple of SEC tournaments and kind of tracking box scores and everything. Um, I don't believe Tennessee will throw any of those three starters on anything less than five days of rest. I don't believe that. So that would mean, essentially, that Andrew Lindsay would pitch Thursday if you make it. Chase Dolander would pitch Friday if you make it. Drew Beam would be available to pitch Saturday if you make it. Now, if you're in a winner go home, say you win Tuesday and you, and you drop Wednesday's game and you're playing Thursday for your life, right? Maybe one of those guys could come into the bullpen and, and give you something uh, for an inning or two. I don't, I don't know. We'll just have to see how tournament ball works, and that's happened in the regional play and everything. You don't have a Blade Tidwell this year. Blade Tidwell did not pitch the last series at Mississippi State last year, came in and threw for Tennessee that first game that was supposed to happen on Wednesday, but if you remember, rain pushed it to Thursday, so it really worked out in Tennessee's favor. Um, but you don't have Blade Tidwell, but you do have Seth Halverson, Camden Sewell, who didn't pitch at all this past weekend. Um, and conversations with people, you know, around the program, I, I have, um, and at the time of this recording, mind you, Tennessee might put out an, an official, you know, probable starting pitcher at some point um, here on a Monday. But at the time of this recording, there's not been one. But I, I do believe it'll be Seth Halverson uh, starting for Tennessee. If not Seth Halverson, Cannon Sewell's an option because, of course, he started big games in this league before. He started the SEC tournament championship game last year. If you remember, pitched five innings, and got the win. Uh, Seth Halverson is 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 fresh. Candom Sewell is fresh. H.J. Russell threw 18 pitches over the weekend on Saturday. I don't believe he would be starting on, on Tuesday, but I think he could be available, right? Um, A.J. Russell would have been a, a prime candidate to start Tuesday as well if, if maybe he didn't come in out of the bullpen. And, and you had to, right? It's kind of unfortunate because in Game 3, Tennessee played the six runs on the top of the seventh inning in that seven-inning game, and it took about 40 minutes. And so, Drew Beam really wasn't, it wasn't ideal for him to come back out and pitch uh, that seventh inning. So, you know, we'll see. I, as At the time of this recording, I have reason to believe it's going to be Seth Halverson. Um, you know, things change all the time. Things change by the minute. It's like recruiting, right? In Tennessee football recruiting, things can change all the time. 
But Seth Halverson, Cannon Sewell, those guys will pitch big innings here the first first little bit of the week. Potentially Halverson can get the start on Tuesday, maybe go three, maybe four at best innings, and then maybe you save Sewell if you're in a good spot for the next day to try to do the same thing. Chase Burns threw 26 pitches in a disastrous third of an inning when he was in there trying to uh, trying to collect those final two outs of the sixth inning for uh, Chase Dolander. He threw 26 pitches. Um, that that's not that's not an awful lot, okay? But that's not just a few. Um, I, I would believe that he would be available to help out on Tuesday and Wednesday out of the bullpen as well. So um, it'll be really interesting to see how Tennessee wants to decipher how to use those arms on Tuesday, on Wednesday, and then if you get to Thursday. You turn around, turn you hand that ball to Andrew Lindsay and say go, right? Um, but as I'll, I'll, I'll retain this, um, I'll, I'll continue to say this. This week is not unimportant, but next weekend is much more important than this week. Very much. So you're not going to put your guys' arms in stress. You're not going to run those guys out there and, and, and you know not try to get them injured. But if there's an opportunity for them to get injured because they've been throwing so much, you're not going to do that, right? You're, regardless, it doesn't matter what time of the year or anything. You're always going to have your players' best interest at heart. But you know this time of the year, you kind of ramp it up and you use your guys a lot. But you know Tennessee is focusing on regionals 100%, making sure that they're ready to go for regionals. That's more important than this week. However, however... <laughs> If you win, in my opinion, two games in Hoover, that gives you a really, really good chance to host a regional. Now, there are so many different scenarios. I'm not going to sit here and act like I know the direct path to hosting a regional. If you hear anybody act like there's a direct path for Tennessee to hosting a regional, they're kidding themselves. We have opinions. Um, if this happens, if this happens, if this happens, and then all of a sudden, you know, sometimes if all that happens and somebody else is doing well around the field that that can negate what Tennessee's you know chances are at hosting a regional. That's just how it works, right? It's it's a mess. It's like that episode of Always Sunny, right? Where um, you know the guy's sitting here and he's got all the strings of yarn, everything. This happens and this happens and this happens. I mean, that's kind of what it is, right? <laughs> and so I think, in my opinion, Tennessee coming into the week ranked 16th in the RPI according to D1 Baseball. If you win two games, if you win Tuesday, and then if you win another game, Wednesday, obviously. Um, or you know, if you lose that game and win another one, I feel like you have given yourself a really good chance to host a regional. Now, Florida won 15 regular season games in the Southeastern Conference last year, went on a run to the tournament title game, ended up hosting, right? Um, I believe it was, I forgot which team it was. I'm sorry, I've slept since then. But there was a team in the Southeastern Conference, was it Arkansas? Uh, yeah, it was Arkansas, that won 18 games in the regular season last year and didn't host. So what importance does the committee have on, on Hoover this year? We're going to find out. Now, in order for Tennessee, let's, let's kind of go through this real quick. Tennessee, I mentioned D1 baseball, the RPI count. Tennessee's ranked 16th uh, in the updated RPI. D1 baseball also came out and had its projections for the, the field of 64. Um, or, you know, As of Monday, Tennessee is projected ahead of the SEC tournament to not be a host team to be the two seed in the Coral Gables Regional. That's down in Miami. Miami would be the one seed there with an 11th national rank national seed line. They'd be the one seed in this regional. Tennessee would be the two seed. Kent State would be the three seed. And Wright State would be the four seed. When you look at the, the complete projections over D1 baseball, there are ooh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven teams from the SEC that are projected to host. Florida would be the number two overall seed. Arkansas, the number three overall seed. LSU, the number four overall seed. 
Vanderbilt, the number seven overall seed. Kentucky, the number nine overall seed. Auburn, the number 12 overall seed. And Alabama, the number 14 overall seed. Again, Tennessee is ranked higher than some of these teams in the D1 baseball poll, top 25. But D1 is projecting what the committee will do. Um, and they project Tennessee right now to be a two seed going to Miami, Coral Gables, and taking on the Hurricanes, Kent State, and Wright State. So we'll see what happens. Can two wins you know, move the needle a little bit in Tennessee's direction? As volunteer fans, you should be rooting without a doubt for on Tuesday for Kentucky to beat Alabama and for Missouri to beat Auburn. You want those two teams to lose for sure because, again, like I mentioned, you have um, you know Kentucky as, as, as a host side, Auburn as a host side, Alabama as a host side projected. Uh, for Tennessee, you want Kentucky to beat Alabama. You want Missouri to beat Auburn. Those will be the two games after Tennessee concludes on Tuesday. The first game, South Carolina and Georgia, really doesn't play into a factor, in my opinion. Then you have Tennessee and Texas A&M, and then the last two games in the, in the second session of the day would be Alabama-Kentucky. You want Kentucky to beat Alabama and then Missouri and Auburn. You want Missouri to beat Auburn. So that's what you should be kind of rooting for right now um, as you kind of enter this tournament. So, again, a lot can happen. Um, for Tennessee, if you beat Texas A&M, you stay alive. Remember, Tuesday is single elimination. If you lose, you go home. If you win on Tuesday, you advance on to the double elimination rounds, and you will take on Arkansas in the second game on Wednesday. Uh, from there, it just kind of gets a little wacky. The teams on Tennessee's side of the brackets, um, Arkansas is the two seed, LSU is the three seed, A&M's the 10 seed, of course, South Carolina is the six seed, Georgia is the 11th seed. So it's going to be funky. It's going to be a, a fun, fun time in Hoover. I'm going to be down there, VolQuest.com. You can follow along for updates, of course, uh, at underscore Kaner, at VolQuest underscore on three. The journal's quarters, I will have Craven Wings extra innings up there. I'll have video. Um Apparently, there's going to be an SEC media portal where they might put highlights out there. If they do, I'll put it on a YouTube channel. I'll figure that out. I'm going to have complete coverage down there in Hoover, Alabama for Tennessee in the SEC tournament. But uh, right now, in my opinion, I think if you win two games, you put yourself in good position. Tennessee could win two games in Hoover and still not host. A lot you know, ha has to do with some other teams. But how many teams will they allow to host from the Southeastern Conference? You know they're going to give Big Ten. You know they're going to give ACC. You know they're going to give other conferences their due. So again, I, I stress this. If you are a Tennessee fan, which you are listening to this podcast, you want Kentucky to beat Alabama on Tuesday and you want Missouri to beat Auburn on Tuesday. So uh, we will have to see exactly you know, what that looks like. Uh, one other thing before we get to Luke Lipsius, if you look at the D1 baseball projections for the field of 64, the one they put out on, uh, on Monday, again, Tennessee is in the Coral Gables Regional uh, as the two seed. It would It's projected to play three-seeded Kent State in the opening round. But if you look over at the regional that it's paired with, Clemson is the one seed. Uh, you've got Campbell's the two seed, Oregon's the three seed, and Army is the four seed. So if Tennessee does not host, it will be a two seed, and nobody wants to see Tennessee as a two seed in their regional. I can tell you that right now. And also, if we had that on Miami, you know, at the end of next week and watch a little baseball, it's not the end of the world in my opinion, but I think everybody, myself included, wants to get this at Lindsey Nelson Stadium. So big week coming up. How Frank Anderson, Tony Vitello um, adapt to their pitching arms, how they strategize on how to use those guys, 
If you can keep winning and get to Thursday, baby, in my opinion, it's anybody's ball game because I don't believe you will see Lindsey, Beam, or Dolander start on anything less than five days rest. I could be, I could be mistaken again, but in conversations I've had and looking at recent history, it just looks like that they're going to give those guys five days of rest. However, if you are a winner, go home, and you need one of those guys to come out of the bullpen, maybe and get you out of a jam or give you two or three innings. Maybe that's an option. We will have to see. But if you can hand that baseball over to Andrew Lindsay on Thursday, and knowing you have Chase Dolander ready to go on Friday, you're in a good spot. And then beam on Saturday potentially, and then again, whoever you got left, just put them in there and see what happens. That's kind of what you know Tennessee did last year. Of course, it was condensed a little bit because of that rain. So uh, we will have to see. It's going to be a fun week. Can't wait to see it. And I hope you follow along with the coverage over at VolQuest.com. Uh, without further ado, we will get into Luke Lipsius, my conversation with him on the South Carolina series, what he sees on how to attack the SEC tournaments, all that stuff that is coming up next here in just a moment. But a reminder, guys, Spivey King and Spivey LLP, fantastic people to work with. Matthew A. Spivey, J. Matt King, Richard A. Spivey. You got a problem, let them find a solution for you, T and trial lawyers. They specialize in criminal defense, family, and per- family law and personal in- injuries such as DUI, homicide, assault. Uh, custody, divorce, alimony, parental rights, personal injuries such as car wrecks um, or uh, accidents. They have over 80 years of combined experience. Spivey King and Spivey LLP provides representation throughout the state and federal courts in Northeast Tennessee. Uh, The firm has a vast amount of trial experience. This practice has been in place for 43 years uh, with this partnership forming in 2012 while also having partners who are energized for today's modern legal demands. Practicing primarily in Northeast Tennessee, the Tri-Cities, the Sullivan County, as well as Hawkins County, Washington County, and the surrounding areas, the firm has won multiple awards and has attorneys who are rated by super lawyers in the Mid-South with real trial experience. They've been there. They have done that. Whether you're injured in a car accident, need a divorce, help with custody of your children, or have been accused of a crime, Spivey King and Spivey LLP, they are here to help. Go see them in person today. 142 Cherokee Street, Kingsport, Tennessee. Uh, You can call them today for a free consultation at 423-245-4185, 423-245-4185, or visit them online at SpiveyKingAndSpiveyLLP.com. Luke Lipsius coming up next on The Porch. Luke, it is a new season now. The regular season's over, heading into the SEC tournaments. Regional play will be coming up next week. We'll get all of that here in just a moment. But Tennessee finishes the right way, 38-18, and 16-14 in SEC, winning on the road for the first time this year, a series win at South Carolina. A lot of good things to like from Tennessee over the weekend, but more than anything, just felt like you know they're continuing to play good ball when it matters the most heading into this new phase. Yeah, 100%. Um, that getting a road win, which was the first of the season at this point in time, I think is the biggest confidence boost that they could have ever gotten. Um, just showing that they can go somewhere else somewhere else, and went on the road uh, with that RPI sitting around 16 right now. It's still looking like we'll have to play some portion of the postseason after the tournament, of course, away. And so just showing that they can still compete, get it done on the road, absolutely amazing. We saw the starting pitching do what it's supposed to do. Um, I think amongst the starters, they gave up a total of three earned runs, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Um, which is absolutely incredible. A lot of good stuff going into the postseason, especially in that tournament. And, you know, it's uh, it's real exciting to see that that they're poised well to make a good run. 
Yeah, th this was this was elite starting pitching. It was kind of like mm -hmm. looking in the mirror at last year almost. Um, you know, a different guy and Lindsay in there, and of course Burns is in the bullpen this year, or at least at this point in time. But um, they were just dominant, right? I mean, Andrew Lindsay was as good as we've ever seen him on Friday night. And and, and I want to ask you about this because again, Tony Vitello, Frank Anderson, they have forgotten more baseball than I will ever know. It's easy to sit back and criticize when that one thing goes right or wrong. You know, that's part of it. Sometimes you make the right decision, sometimes you don't. But they go get Lindsey, and that's fine. I mean, you know, Combs came on and finished the game, and it was good. Tennessee won 5 nothing. But he was two outs away from a complete game shutout. What? Come on, he earned that. Only at 103 pitches. And then Dolander, I think he made the wrong call there because he, he, was, he was grooving for sure. What did you think about taking Dolander out early and not letting um, Andrew Lindsey finish off that complete game? Yeah, so with Lindsey, like I, I guess I understand uh, maybe a pitch count thing, saving him for the tournament. No, well, we talk about that in the sixth inning. You know, if you're trying to save someone, give them some rest. You take him out early. The fact that he got eight and a third, and they didn't let him finish his own complete game shutout, um, a little weird. I trust that that coaching staff uh, with all my heart, but still, you know, like let let the kid have his have yeah. his uh, have his time. You know, he's he's probably going to win pitcher of the week anyways. Um, for the absolutely outstanding performance he had. But then um, I'm going to go against you on the Dollander removal because okay. I've seen it too many times, including this season, where these pitchers, they get that or they, they give up uh, a hit. They're, they're looking just a little shaky. We leave them in and it leads to a big inning. Now, um, normally when you take a guy out, put in a new guy, they, they shut him down, especially in Burns. So I was not against the call at all. I even remember turning to one of my friends. I said, hey, we've seen it where they don't take them out and they give up whatever, five runs. Um, so I was fine with the call. And then Burns come in and, and they just smacked him. And um, we were chatting, chit-chatting a little bit earlier. Um, I, I do find it hard to believe that they did not know what was coming because they just looked way too comfortable against 96 up and in. They were spitting on really good sliders. Um, so I, there might have been something there, something to think about going into Hoover. Regardless, um, the fact that they they lost all the momentum at the end of that game one on, on Saturday and then picked it back up on game two and Sunday, absolutely amazing to see. That's what a good postseason team can do is that bounce back stuff. Yeah, and you know, 45 minutes in between games, when you lose – the first head of the doubleheader, the way you lost it. I mean, you were grooving, you were shoving. It was a 1-1 ball game, and, and then just the wheels fall off. And it's mm -hmm. so demoralizing, right? Like, you had a series win right there, and then it just left. And, and for you to turn around, and maybe it was a good thing, right? I mean, maybe it was like, hey, no time to sit here and feel sorry for ourselves. Let's go. And that's, you know, that's what Tennessee did. I, I'm with you. I, like, I disagree, but I 100% I see your reasoning because you're right. We've sat here, and, you know, I've covered games. I'm like, Tony, go get them. Tony, go get him. And you wait just one, one too many batters, yep. right? Yep. And it turns out to, to go against you. And when you have Sewell and Burns and Halvey back there, it's like, why wouldn't you go get him? So, so I, I get that reasoning for sure. Um, and you know, it, it just, it just didn't work out for Tennessee that day. Interesting point that you brought up about Chase Burns, um, because you're right, they, they jumped all over him. He lasted only a third of an inning. Um, he threw about 28 pitches. It was bad. How do you say, say they knew what was coming? How do you prevent that from happening again? You know, and it's, this is what makes it weird because you can't pick signs from the catcher anymore. So it had to be tipping it in some way from the glove. And I firmly believe after last season with 
uh, how much um, notoriety the staff got, how good they are, that teams are in their Thursday, Wednesday, Tuesday practice or Thursday, Wednesday practices. They're studying film, looking at the pitchers, seeing if they can gain any advantage. Um, and so, you know, they must have maybe noticed something. I, I could just be talking completely out of my butt and they were just really good against Burns. Um, yeah. But, you know, with with the stuff he has, where he was putting pitches and, and how they were hitting it, hard to believe. But it, it just means, you know, it, it's uh, the next day or two, you kind of get um, word from other coaches or whatever that this is what they saw, blah, blah, blah. He's probably going to watch some film, making sure that he wasn't tipping his pitches. I think we've been pretty good at bouncing back um, when we do realize that something was going on to tip the pitches. So I think in Hoover, you'll see um, a much better Burns. Silver lining, he's going to be fresh. <laughs> I mean, he only went yeah. a third. So um, that's really good, especially for that that playing game on Tuesday. But it's, it's just get back to doing you and and making sure that you're not doing too much to let other the other team know what's going on. And let's be honest, I understand he does have a third pitch and he's working on some other things, but he he throws two plus pitches, right? I mean, that, that's mm -hmm. what he relies on, fastball and the slider. And so, mm -hmm. you know, if you are picking up on something, the majority of the time you're just kind of – you're playing a 50-50 game. So Exactly. You know, we'll, we'll see how he bounces back. Um, last thing on the starting pitching, though, um, you know, Drew Beam. Boy, that, that, was, that was great to see. Mm -hmm. uh, gave you a lot of confidence, you know, all's not, not forgiven. You're never mad at the guy, but you know, all's not maybe right, but you bounce back, you go six innings strong. He would have went seven, the complete in that shortened game, but they, you know, Tennessee scored seven or eight runs in that top of the inning. It took like 40 minutes. So I understand him not going back out there, but um, what'd you see from Drew Beam? I, that, more than anything for his confidence, for Tennessee's confidence in him. Uh, it was just, it was a really, really good day for him heading into postseason. Yeah, as far as his uh, outing goes, he looked like back like himself. You know, I think uh, what we saw when he was struggling is pitches catching too much white, uh, missing location. But it seemed like everything he was throwing yesterday was right where it needed to be. Now, what I did notice from the the umpiring crew, it looked like they might have been a little wide on Sunday, which, of course, mm -hmm. plays into us very well. Um, you see Dolly with five innings, 13 Ks. So it, it plays into us. And so Beam can not nibble but you know throw it where if they do hit it it's going to be soft contact um that's exactly what we're going to see we're going to see six innings uh probably weak contact you know he's not lighting up the strikeout board but he's getting out and this is the beam that we all have come to love and know when he is uh just not catching too much white pitching like he can off speeds there fastball is really good um and so it's, it's really good to see going into the postseason and it's one of those things you can keep in your back pocket to carry you through let's say if you if you get a little rushed in a game if you, if you start giving up a couple hits um just go back and get centered all right so now tennessee moves to the sec tournament and i want you to tell us what you told me last week again um you know right at the top you said essentially get in get out or you know stay to win right i mean what, what was that quote you said um, yes. So as, as a team, you're either trying to lose the first day or make it to the championship. Um, <laughs> however, I'll put a little wrinkle in there. I think as far as where we're sitting, RPI and uh, the way our season's gone, we 100% need to win that play-in game to uh, have a better shot at hosting. Mm -hmm. um, if we win two, it's basically solidified. But if we win that first one, then it'd be hard to not put us in that hosting conversation at least, especially with where the, the RPI is sitting. 
Um, but yeah, like, like, like I said, like you said, if you win that first one, either lose that second one or you better go all the way because um, it's just such a, a daunting tournament. You know, they're going to have to play five, no matter what, possibly six, if they end up in that loser's bracket. Um, so it's, it's saving pitching, managing pitching, just getting ready. And you're not looking ahead, but you do have to think about, hey, if we burn – all of our guys in the tournament, what are we going to do? So it's, they've always done, the the coaching staff has done a really good job of managing the tournament going into the regional. Yeah. And and if you win Tuesday, I mean, might as well win Wednesday, right? Because if if you lose, then you got to play, you got to play Thursday, right? It's double elimination or whatever. So, um, and again, like you're never going out there trying to lose. It's just like, if you're going to lose, you'd rather it be now, you'd rather it be on Sunday. So like get get it out. Um, Tennessee, the seventh seed, will play the tenth seed, Texas A&M, Tuesday. It'll be the second game on Tuesday, so looking probably around one thirty Eastern time. But you know as well as I do, those games run a little long. Mm-hmm. Um, at least Tennessee's playing in the first part of the day, so you're not waiting around until a nine thirty Eastern time, you know, first pitch or whatever. But uh, it's gonna be the seven versus the ten because of the elite starting pitching Tennessee had this last weekend, and and the rain didn't ha- do him any favors, right? Lindsey had to be pushed mm-hmm. today. Dolander had to be pushed today. A little less ideal, but Burns at 28 pitches, A.J. Russell at 16 or 17 pitches, whatever it was. Halverson didn't throw. Sewell didn't throw. I mean, you're you're in a really good spot to combat the first couple of days of the tournament. I feel like this is me and then people I've spoken to. I don't think Linz, I don't think the starters will go on anything short of five days of rest. Mm-hmm. So that would essentially put you at Tuesday and Wednesday needing to you know figure it out. Halverson, I believe, will get the call on Tuesday, but if it's not, you got Sewell, then vice versa. The other one can go, and then you know somebody piggyback behind him. Burns can pitch, Russell can pitch. Feels like you're in a really good situation to combat this to begin the tournament. Yeah. So what what I was hoping, if we had won that first game of the doubleheader, I think we would have seen Beam throw this Tuesday. But just the fact that we needed a win on on Saturday, he threw. Uh, but like you said, I think we throw it back to to old, I think it was 2020, you know, that Saturday where we go opener and then coming with Burns after. And so just having a Burns in the bullpen who we know can go deep into games. If Halvey or, or Sewell, most likely Halvey can go four strong, maybe five, throw Burns there. We got that game in the bag and then you can kind of piece it together. You know, you probably have to go, um, Sewell on that Wednesday and then kind of settle back into yeah. uh, the starting rotation. But yeah, I'm, I am very confident in the way that uh, the staff managed the pen and just the arms that we still have that can go long um, and, and do what they do. You know, you even got Xander who's seen some starts. Um, I don't I don't know if we'd start him Wednesday. I'd rather have a, a Sewell, but you know, it, it all depends on that first game. But just the fact that you have a fresh Halvey uh, a fresh Sewell and then a relatively speaking fresh Burns. I think we're set up really well, and a fresh Ur Burns on Wednesday as well. So exactly. Um, and, and AJ Russell, man, he I wrote about him last week. He, he's going to be an absolute stud for this team next year. I think he played a big role this year. I mean, he's he's going to throw some big big time pitches, big time innings for Tennessee. Um, game three of the series, game two of the doubleheader. You just lost in heartbreaking fashion. You're you're frustrated. You know, series on the line, yada, yada, trying to get win 16 in conference. And then you make a big change. You put Maui at ninth and, and you bat Blake Burke in the leadoff. 
is it more all right get out of your slump you're gonna see more at bats i mean there was a lefty on the mound too so I, mm-hmm. was it straight i don't know with splits against lefties i would imagine they're not spectacular what do you think went into seeing blake burke on the leadoff and, and i can't imagine that sticks but is that something we could see in the future yeah so i'm, I'm not too surprised he v will do that every so often just take the person that is not doing so well and put them somewhere else to kind of just like reset, get the mojo going, um, whatever. And, you know, he needs it. He needs something because for us to go well, having him as a big part in that lineup helps tremendously. And so uh, we saw him bat leadoff. I don't think we'll see that much, uh, but that, that is just something to get him, let's say out of his head just get him to calm down or whatever and get him back to doing what he does. If my memory serves me correctly, I could be wrong. I think he had a, he had a loud out number one, his mm-hmm. first at bat. I think that um, he had a hit at some point in that second game of the double header. So that was good to see. I think he looked better at least. So maybe, yeah. you know, hopefully with Jared Dickey coming back, which is what I want to ask you about next. Um, you know, he can maybe shift back to that five hole and look more like himself. That'd be big. Jared Dickey came back, he pinched hit in game one of that doubleheader, started, played the field in game two. As long as that sword is sitting over bearing, you think that he'd be back out there and ready to go for Tennessee, uh, which is absolutely huge. But earlier on Tuesday, it was announced that Jared Dickey was a, an all-conference player, making the second team. Uh, no surprise, he's hit like 360 and uh, 370 in conference plays, hitting like 350 on the year. He's been really, really solid in a league where you and I were talking. There's a lot of dudes that are swinging the bat this year. Yeah, getting any sort of all-conference honors this year, especially as an offensive player, means that you really did something. This is the most offensive I've seen this league in, I'd say, probably ever. You know, like whatever Tennessee did last year, it seems like every top team in the SEC is doing that this year. And so just the fact that he is uh, getting second team um, is amazing for him. He has worked so hard, and he deserves every bit of that accolade. I really hope he cherishes it, and it's so good to see him back and doing what he does. I mean, he's he's smacked one to left center gap, and that's and that's uh, game three, and and he's such an integral part of this lineup. Uh, probably best bat to ball skills on the team. Um, but yeah, it's it's great to see him back. I'm so happy for him winning that accolade. Um, and it's it's just another confidence boost going into the postseason, especially after getting that that week off with the shoulder soreness. Not to look too far ahead, but I mean he's going to go in the draft. He'll be drafted this summer. Um, when you're when you're a organization, are you looking at are you looking at him like all right? Here's a guy doesn't have a defensive home but can hit. We're going to take his bat. We're going we're going to find somewhere to teach him how to play. Is that kind of how you look at it? Yeah. So. In baseball, you draft, besides the only position you draft really defensively is catcher and possibly shortstop. And so for a guy like Dickey, the only thing uh, the only thing that him being an elite defender would do is just improve his draft stock. So it's not like it's going to make or break him getting drafted. We know we're going to see him drafted. But the fact that he doesn't really have an or have a home in the in the outfield and um, he can run very well, but you know, the arms average, we'll, we'll see him drafted fairly high, but I mean, you, as an organization, you're looking at that hitting talent and you are licking your chops because that guy can straight out swing it. Did he ever take some grounders with you at first last year? I know he has this <laughs> year at times as like an emergency guy, but did he do that with you? So his, uh, it was either his freshman year. I think it was his freshman year. So two years ago, the year he redshirted. 
they they stuck him over at first, but you know I think I'd feel more comfortable um, putting a backpack out at first base as far as fielding, <laughs> fielding ground balls go. Um, he was not the best with uh, with hand-eye coordination on all that first base stuff. Um, but yeah, man, he still worked hard and and he was over there for a short stint. But I think uh, outfield is for sure his home. I'm gonna clip that and send him to him. That's so funny. We we would always mess with him and be like, dude, what is going on? And uh, and I mean I mean that in the, the best way possible, but he was not a very good first baseman. And just thinking the two years since too, I mean, not like it would help with hand eye coordination, but uh man, he's turned himself into a freaking athlete too. Oh, so his uh, that I I love saying it because he came in to Tennessee a, a bigger kid and um of course he redshirted. And then he got back from that summer absolutely jacked. And I think that, like, not only for um, his play, but just, like, overall confidence made him skyrocket. Because the, the hitting talent was always there. But then now he's one of the fastest guys on the team. Uh, he can feel this position. You know, it's not just about how fast you run. It's about how you get reads on ball. So he's turned himself into quite the defender. All right, man. Last thing I got for you. Of course, Tennessee's starting play in the SEC tournament. Uh, we'll play in the single elimination round on Tuesday against Texas A&M. If you win, you go on and play Arkansas. And from there, I've got to look at the bracket because it kind of gets a, a web. If you win, lose, you know, all mm-hmm. that stuff. Anyway, keep winning, keep playing. Um, what's important is next weekend, regionals. Okay? Mm-hmm. Tennessee has a chance to host potentially. We'll see. But that's important. You want to play. You want to win this week. But what's important is it next weekend. Mm-hmm. Having said that, you guys ran the table last year, and on Sunday, you hoisted that trophy and got to celebrate with the T-shirts and all that on the field. How was that experience? I'm not going to say that it was a better experience than winning a regional or you know walk-off against Wright State or anything like that, but um, that was probably one of the more fondest – that was probably one of the fond moments of your career, was it not? So as far as tiers of tournaments go in college baseball, it is Omaha and then right below it's Hoover. Just with the the fan bases that these SEC schools bring out, especially now Tennessee with such a loyal fan base, um, that stadium it gets packed. It echoes in there. The vibes are crazy. Um, it's one of those things that you go to experience. Like if if I can, I would get out there and, and just sit and watch games because it's such good baseball. The atmosphere is amazing. And then, of course, playing on that Sunday game and hoisting the trophy is is second to winning that Super Regional to go to Omaha. But it is, it's something that you definitely want to go for. You know, you win that uh, Tuesday game and it's like, might as well win the whole thing, <laughs> especially looking forward, of course, playing Arkansas in that that second round would be um, a great matchup. You know, us, us in Arkansas do have a little bit of history in Hoover. Of course, they knocked us out in the championship game. In 21, uh, but also just the rivalry, Van Horn, Tony V. It's a it's a great um, story, rhetoric, whatever you want to say. Uh, but it's Hoover is just something else, and it's something to just soak in and, and enjoy because it's amazing. All right, looking forward to a really really good week of baseball ahead. Luke Lipsius, former Tennessee first baseman, uh, as always, appreciate the time, man. We'll see what Tennessee does this week, and we'll catch up before regional play starts. Hopefully at Lindsey Nelson Stadium, but of course we'll we'll chat about all that. Uh, next week right here on the porch of course again thanks for having me all right that is luke lipsius former tennessee first baseman reigning home run champion for uh, tennessee baseball it's history a lot of good stuff there from that conversation that's probably one of my favorite conversations luke and i've had uh this season a lot of good stuff in there hope you guys enjoyed that tennessee in hoover alabama for the 2023 
SEC baseball tournaments. Tennessee looking to defend its title where, again, like Luke said, hoisting that trophy up last year on Sunday. We'll see what happens. The 7 will take on the 10, Tennessee against Texas A&M. Tuesday at about 1.30, approximately 1.30 Eastern time. We'll see what happens there. If you win, you'll move on and play Arkansas on Wednesday in the second game. And then from there, we'll see what happens. Um, I'll be on hand. I'll be in Hoover, Alabama. You can follow me on Twitter at underscore Kaner, at Lockdown, or um, at uh, VolQuest underscore on three. And uh, as always, I'll be on the General's Quarters while the game thread going. And uh, really looking forward to it. Should be a fun weekend ahead. And you can follow along all week over at VolQuest.com. Appreciate you guys, as always, for hanging out with us here on the porch. It is a VolQuest baseball podcast.